Well, we have opportunity to do that once again today uh, to turn our eyes upon the Jesus that we are trying to understand in the way He reveals Himself, the way He has revealed Himself in the past and how He continues to reveal Himself to us today. Today we're going to get to do that um, through the eyes of a blind man, of all things. Because it makes you wonder, is there, is there anything that you could see from the perspective of a blind man? What, what would he be able to show you? Maybe it's like uh, wondering if you can learn uh, gardening from a computer programmer or cooking from a construction worker. I mean, if, if, they're, if they're known for this, how would they be able to help you in this area? We're going to look at what um, Mark's Gospel has to say for us today about what it means to be a disciple. So we'll be reading from uh, Mark chapter 10, and we will be finishing that chapter this morning, verses 46 through 52. Mark 10 at verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart! Get up! He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. May the Spirit give us insight this morning as we consider these words. Uh, we're, so we're going to look at this idea of being able to see what a blind man sees. And it all has to deal with being a disciple. Jesus is just about to enter into Jerusalem. He's been on a journey. He's been telling His disciples that He's on a journey. And they're making their way to Jerusalem where Jesus' life will change forever. He will offer His life and be beaten and crucified and mocked and spit upon by the leading religious authorities of His day. And at the beginning of this segment of, of journeying towards Jerusalem, we were given a story that began this journey. It was when Peter exclaimed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then we heard a story in there with, in that same time of a blind man 
And since that time, we've been looking at uh, what it is to be a follower of Jesus. What it means to be able to recognize who he is. And that first blind man experience was an awkward one, if you remember that. Jesus did a few things with him, said some things, and put his hands on him, and he said, what do you see? And the man couldn't see clearly yet. And we got a picture of what his disciples were like. While Peter understood in one sense who Jesus was, he was still missing the mark completely on another, on another level. And Peter was rebuked by Jesus for his misunderstanding of the plan of God and the kingdom and how it's being revealed. And now after all these different stories in between there, we come to another story of another blind man and he's going to reveal to us something that we need to recognize about what it is to be a disciple. Through the eyes of a blind man, we see Jesus. Just in the way that the blind man recognizes Jesus, we begin to understand uh, what we should understand about Jesus. Here's, here's a blind beggar sitting by the road who can't see what's coming. He hears the commotion, obviously. Uh, when Jesus is around, there's always a commotion. There are always people trying to figure out what's going on and can I be a part of that? Can I get into the commotion somehow? Is He going to feed me? Is He going to heal me? Is He going to teach us? And so the blind man doesn't see Him coming, but he knows He's coming. He's heard that Jesus of Nazareth is there. And so he, he begins to call out to him with words that begin to help us understand who Jesus is. It, it, it helps us in our understanding. It solidifies what we should know. He calls him Jesus. That was his given name at birth, but somebody that would know what that name means knows what he might be saying. Jesus, Jehovah saves. He cries out to Jesus and just uses His common name, but even in saying that, those words have to be ringing in His ears. Yahweh saves. But He recognizes more than just who He is in, in the name He was given or, or the fact that He was born in Nazareth. He, he heard about this man with this name who comes from that location and he's, he's putting the pieces together, but he, he gives us greater insight into his recognition of the man he doesn't see. He cries out to him and he says, Son of David! And he begins to paint this picture in his own mind of who it is that's coming. Imagine keeping your eyes closed and you just hear the commotion. You begin to use these words like Jehovah saves. And you picture what that might be in your eyes, in your mind. And then you cry out in utter darkness, Son of David! And that image of uh, Israel's most notable king, the one from whom one would come and save his people. Son of David, the one who would fulfill 
the promises of God from years before. Hundreds of years before. And he cries out to the one who has this military title in the midst of all kinds of political turmoil in his day. Resting in the fact that the son of David is approaching him, the one who will fulfill the next phase of of God's eternal plan. And he cries out, Son of David! But he doesn't end there. What What he cries out, in the way he expresses his need, also reveals something about Jesus. He says, Son of David, have mercy on me! Now, if you are under the rule of a tyrant king, um, mercy may not be what they regularly hand out. Hardship, pain, suffering, death. That's maybe what you can expect from somebody that has that reputation. But this man, Bartimaeus, recognizes something about the character, the qualities, the, the essence of who Jesus is. And he cries out to the one who he believes can have mercy on him. And I wonder too, if if that phrase there, Son of David, have mercy on me, if he grew up hearing stories of, of, the, of the Hebrew faith, of the people of Israel in, in years gone by, and he remembered even King David crying out that exact same phrase. Have mercy on me, O God. Psalm 51. Where David himself cries out to the Lord in his great need, recognizing that his cry will not fall on deaf ears. And so here you have this blind beggar who does the same thing, recognizing who Jesus is on so many different levels just in a few spoken words and cries out for that same mercy. In that, through the eyes of a blind man, we see persistence. He's crying out and the people are rebuking him. Now Mark's been making points all along of the people Different times where rebukes are brought in. Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit. He also rebukes His disciples. Uh, The disciples rebuke Jesus. Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves. There's all kinds of things happening here. And now, it isn't Jesus rebuking His disciples for not allowing the children to come. It's the crowd rebuking the blind man for bothering Jesus. And he's not going to stop. He didn't cry out once. And they said, Quiet! Everything in the language being used here said, He keeps crying out. I don't know how many times it was, but it was repetitive. He he keeps crying out to Jesus. And as he keeps on doing that, the crowds keep rebuking him trying to silence Him. And as persistent as they are, His persistence continues all the more. And His persistence is fueled 
by his desperation, as he recognizes that Jesus, son of David, is passing by, I'm not missing my opportunity here. No way. If Jesus is going to pass by my little rock today, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to cry out to him. And the blind man keeps persisting. Another great lesson for us to remember. We will have times in our lives where people will want to silence us as we cry out to Jesus. Somebody might try to get in your way. Somebody might put a stumbling block between you and Jesus. And never let that happen. Never let it deter you. Keep going with your persistence in whatever it is you need from Jesus. And His persistence pays off. After repeatedly crying out against the the rebukes of the crowd, Jesus stopped. This blind beggar stopped Jesus in his track. What if you could be that persistent to get the attention of Jesus and He would stop just to talk to you? That's what this man is after. That's why he continues to persist. And it paid off because when, when, they kept, when he kept crying out, he finally said to the people that were rebuking him, uh, call him. Call the man. Notice, notice then how the crowd changes their tune. It's like, oh wow, he's going to do something. Come on over here! Now all of a sudden, this man has got some significance to them. Because he's significant at the moment to Jesus. His persistence pays off and he gets that audience with Jesus. And, and he gets the same question the exact same question that Jesus gave to His closest disciples. That, that open invitation, what do you want me to do for you? I've noticed this ever since I've had this Bible. Um, that question that Jesus asked of James and John is... I should, I should do this on the screen one of these days. That, that question for James and John is right here. What do you want me to do for you? And if you keep moving your finger over to the next paragraph, and it won't be in yours, that same question comes to the blind man. What do you want me to do for you? And that had so much significance for me because Jesus is now going to give somebody else that is not connected to Him yet the same blank check, as it were, that He gave to two of His closest disciples. And the offer goes out, the invitation to ask Jesus goes out to this unclean man. There's some confusion about what the man's name means. Uh, In some ways, it means one who is highly honored. 
Ironic, right? Uh, blind beggar Bartimaeus means highly honored. I don't think he felt that a day in his life. Son of Timaeus. If you would read that in the Aramaic, what you would probably hear then is a son of the unclean. Now it makes a little more sense. Now you begin to see his own identity even in his own name as he was recognizing Jesus and giving identity to Jesus in what he called him his own name is what's been keeping him from living a life of, of fullness, being unclean. And so he sits there along the road day after day searching for alms and a little bit of bread for the day just to get himself through. And maybe they would have to throw it at him because the blind man would be unclean. You can't come in contact with somebody like that. So here he is with Jesus and he gets this blank check invitation into uh, asking Jesus for whatever. Which also seems a bit strange too, doesn't it? Why would Jesus have to ask a blind man, what do you need? Isn't it rather obvious? It was just as obvious what the disciples needed when Jesus asked that question. He knew exactly what they needed. They didn't, he didn't need to have that question posed to them, but it gave the disciples an opportunity to reveal themselves to Jesus. To see where they're at in their faith, in their understanding, in their, in their quest to follow Him. And now blind Bartimaeus gets that same question, not because Jesus is unaware, but he wants to invite Bartimaeus into the opportunity to reveal himself. And so, of course, he says, I want to have my sight back. So also through the eyes of a blind man comes the picture of a disciple. And it shouldn't be a new picture at all. It isn't meant to be something that is this aha moment for us, but it should maybe surprise us that it comes from where it does. When Jesus says to the people, call him, and the people call the blind beggar, what does he do? Now, depending on what translation you read, uh, some would say he threw off his coat and he got up and he went quickly to Jesus. Well, all of that's true. But what did he do? What, did that, what would you see from what he did? What did that mean to him to do what he just did? He threw off his cloak, as our text said. Now, for a blind beggar, that was an essential piece to own. It was not just something to keep him warm, although it was there for that as well. That blind beggar would also sleep with that, maybe roll it up as a pillow. He would certainly take that, that cloak that he has around him and, and put it out before him when he's seeking for for bread or a little bit of money. That was the way that he would receive people's gifts. This is how he made his living. This, this symbolizes who he is. So he throws off his cloak 
everything that marked who he was, he just set it aside. The cloak of a blind beggar marks him. He knew that. But he takes that cloak and sets it aside. What, what is Jesus always asking his, his people, his disciples to do? Set aside all of those things. Your family, your land, what makes you who you are, what security you have for the future, set that aside. And that's what the blind man did. He threw off his cloak. I'll set that aside. And then he springs up. He doesn't just take his coat off and slowly start to meander over there. This man springs up. And Mark made note of that. He could have just said, he threw off his cloak and he went to Jesus. But there was a, an urgency about him. His desperation also brought this sense of urgency. I'm not missing my opportunity now. Jesus has called for me. And so he does it quickly. Doesn't waste any time. Don't let anybody change your mind at this point because people will do that. When you want an encounter with Jesus, the longer you take to get to Him, the more people you and I will encounter that want to stop you from getting to Him. This man throws off who he is, springs up immediately, and rushes over to Jesus. But he... He paints a, another picture of being a disciple and a, and a real close disciple too. When he finally gets over to Jesus and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind beggar says, Rabbi. And he paints another picture of his relationship with the one who stands before him. Now, we hear the term rabbi in different places in the New Testament, and that's a common... Jesus is one of the, uh, one of the rabbis of his day. Certainly, hands down, and always will be, the only rabbi anyone should ever follow. But he, but he calls him rabbi, but not in the way that maybe the other rabbis would have been addressed, and certainly not the way that Jesus had been addressed as rabbi by many other people. The only other time that somebody uses this form of the word rabbi in addressing Jesus is Mary at the tomb. Rabboni, she says. Master. And there's this intimate connection in that word there. He's my master. He's my Lord. I want to see He sets it all aside. Everything that made him who he was, he set it aside and quickly got up and addressed his master and wanted to be able to see. Jesus then doesn't uh, get out any ointment. He doesn't spit in the dirt and make mud. He doesn't tell him to go wash anywhere. Jesus answered him and said, Your faith has healed you. And so you get another picture 
of what it is to be a disciple. To have such faith in Jesus, maybe like the, uh, the other lady who exhibited that kind of faith, we're just knowing if you, could, if you could get close enough in some way, healing is possible. The lady with the bleeding for number of years had that same faith. Another unclean person. And so now his faith is exhibited in what he believes. Jehovah saves, son of David, full of mercy, my master, I want to see. And he has the utmost faith that it's going to happen. And that's revealed in the fact that Jesus said, well, then you're healed. Jesus then says to the man, you can, you can go your own way now. Once again, Jesus would give him a choice. Now that you've met the living Savior, the Messiah, you have the choice of which way you want to go. And that's the last picture he paints of the disciple. Uh, what, it, what, it, uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ. You can go your way. He chooses the way of Jesus. And immediately, he follows Jesus. Like, like all the other disciples before, when they're called, they just went. Like Abraham from of old, God said, go here and I'll show you on the way where we're going to end up. And immediately, he just goes. And you get this ongoing picture of what it is to be a disciple from the most unlikely person. Meanwhile, the disciples keep uh, jockeying for position and power in the kingdom. And this man, who couldn't see Jesus, saw him more clearly than the other twelve have yet. And it's a wonderful picture for us to remember that Jesus continues to work on us. As much as that picture of the first blind man was so fuzzy and unclear, like the disciples were, he continued to work with them. He continued to reveal himself to them so that he would be seen by them. And now this disciple, this new disciple, sees Jesus clearly. Now he may have obstacles coming down the road yet, but right now his picture of Jesus is clear and his path that he would choose based on his faith, is just as clear. I'm following Jesus no matter what. Today we're given that picture of what it is to be a, a disciple through the eyes of a blind man. One, you need to see clearly who Jesus is. You need to recognize Him as the one who saves, the coming King, the one filled with mercy, your Master, and Lord, you need to recognize your own desperation. You'll never be able to get to know Jesus until you need to 
if you don't believe you need to know who Jesus is, you'll never experience Him in His fullness. It just doesn't happen. You need to be able to recognize your own great need. And then respond with that need. And be persistent in asking for that need to be met. See what Jesus has to offer you and keep on asking. And then don't take anything with you. Set it all aside. Whatever you think makes you who you are today, set that aside for what Jesus will make you to be. He was son of Timaeus. Son of an unclean one. Maybe one who is highly honored. Now he's the son of the king. Son of the king of kings and lord of lords. He is son of the master of the universe. Because he set all that aside and changed his identity to be in Jesus. And he follows him. It's the same thing that Jesus has been saying. Trust. Dependence. Obedience. And follow. That's exactly what the blind man did. He trusted in who was there before him. He depended on him for everything that he could be. And in obedience, he asked for what he needed the most. And then he got up and followed. That's our call. That's the invitation that we put out to other people too. No other invitation into the life of Jesus other than setting it all aside, trusting in Him, depending on Him, following Him in faith is the only gospel message that needs to go out. And so maybe you are just like the blind man a true follower of Jesus, and you have recognized your own great need, and you have asked Him, and He is fulfilling that in you, and you are on a journey of following Him no matter what, in the same way that Jesus did, all the way to death, and taking up our own cross in following in that same obedience. But you know people in your life that don't know the Jesus that the blind man does. Doesn't know the Jesus that you know. And this is a simple little story that you could reiterate to somebody and show them what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And it doesn't matter if you're son of the honored one or son of the unclean. Maybe there's both names in there because it doesn't matter where you're at, what your station is in life. Whether you are highly prized in this world or unnoticed by everybody, the gospel message is still the same for everybody. And this would be a simple story to relate to them. It's a story that we will continue to put out. It's a story that went out uh, even today in this last week Uh, when new Bibles were given to people in their language, and now in their language, they get to read that story and recognize that maybe Jesus is now standing in front of me and asking me 
through the eyes of a blind man, we see what it is to be a disciple. And what it is then to offer discipleship to other people. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we come and just want to uh, acknowledge you as well. The one who has saved us, the one who is saving us, the one who will save us, because only you can save. You are our coming King and we put our confidence in that. No matter where we live in this world, no matter who seems to preside over our region, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And even as we come and go in your presence and we receive grace and mercy and peace, we recognize that you are full of that, full of grace and truth. And so we we resonate once again today with the truth that we have heard. And we pray, Jesus, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us. Give us opportunities to, to ask. And then help us in that asking. And so, Spirit, take these words that we have heard today. Apply them to our hearts and our minds so that uh, you can take the words that have been spoken to us, those living words from, from the book you have inspired, and you can take those words and bring them back to us at just the right time so that it will have an impact either on our lives or the one that you put in front of us. And so we receive this word uh, given to us today. And we pray that you would apply it uh, to us May it produce the fruit in us that it should produce. May it produce fruit in us first before we point the finger at anybody else. And give us courage to get up and follow you once again today in full assurance of faith. We do so in your most holy name. Amen.